from the land of the free and the home of the Chiefs, with two-man coverage of the red and gold, this is the Locked On Chiefs Podcast, part of the Locked On Podcast Network. And we're here as Locked On Chiefs. We have a great show for you. We have Seth Kaiser with us from Arrowhead Pride, and we're going to go over the film and talk about what happened with Oakland and where that sets this team up to go from here. Uh, please make sure you're subscribed to the podcast and passing that name around. Uh, get your friends to listen to it, too. We all want to be in this conversation as they make the push for the playoffs. Uh, make sure you're leaving those Twitter handle reviews uh, in iTunes. For our podcast, PFF is picking winners from that pool. So if you want to get a free Edge subscription, jump in there and leave a review with your Twitter handle. We're brought to you today by my bookie. Uh, use the promo code Locked On to get your deposit uh, bonus, great way to go about it. I will have more for you that later on in the show, but just wanted to get that out there now. A couple of things injury-wise. You have a uh, Mitch Morse that's out-continued uh, as they st- began practice on Wednesday. You have Tom Bahali, who has to play a game and take a week or two off, uh, who was limited in practice, as well as Kevin Pierre-Lewis, who's been playing a lot more snaps lately. He is also limited, so that's something to keep an eye on. Uh, but they got Eric Murray back, which is a big plus, considering that they just lost Terrell, who has been playing in his stead well of late. Uh, Murray's back. Hopefully he, he's bumped up to full participation in practice, which hopefully means uh, that he's ready to go. Uh, and we'd like to see him get back in the groove. They're going to need him as the third safety. So uh, we will keep an eye on that as well. Now uh, we are going to go dig into the film and here's Seth. Welcome back. You all know him. You all follow him. If you don't, it's it's real Minnesota Chiefs fan. Um, I don't know how in the world you got here without it. But hey, Seth's back with us from Arrowhead Pride. How are you, pal? I'm doing well. How you doing, Ryan? Oh, it's one of those weeks, but I'm uh, I'm getting through. And oh, good times. Coming off of a win helps. I got to tell you. Yes, it is. It is. Uh, you know, it's a it's a good week to be a Chiefs fan. And so I had some people like, "You didn't say it last week." No, I know it's terrible. Oh no! <laughs> but we're, but yeah, we're back. The Chiefs, man. Yeah, they beat Oakland by a couple scores, and really, it wasn't that close. Like that was a that was, that resembled to me like kind of the Houston game, where you know they eventually beat Houston by a couple scores but in reality that was much more of a dominant performance and i would say it was pretty similar against Oakland not quite as dominant cuz the offense didn't play quite as well but i mean they really there was no point there in the fourth quarter that i was even sort of concerned i have to agree with you that was not much of a contest at all i was i was really interested when they got the onside like oh hey maybe they could do something but at the end of the day i was not nervous for the team yeah and i knew you know the onside i mean that was that made it at least slightly interesting because then you're always like well if they got one maybe they'll get another one right right (laughs) but i mean the odds of that happening are you know getting one does not make you any more likely to get one and so I mean, really, because they would have needed to score and then get another onside and then score again. It would have had to have been touchdowns, and I just wasn't worried. The Chiefs really, they they pretty thoroughly dominated them. It was fun to watch. for the Despite the Chiefs, they made a few, they didn't play perfect. They made a few key mistakes. I mean, Demetrius Harris, of course, dropped what I think would have been a touchdown. And then Kelsey, I mean, yeah. Let's just start right there, since you brought it up. I I am sick to death of... Demarcus Robinson playing, what, 57% of the snaps and not getting a target. And Demetrius Harris playing 28% of the snaps and getting three that he dropped two of. I'm done. I'm over. 
I don't understand the Demetrius Harris experiment. I I just, you know, and I feel bad saying stuff like that because he's better at football than I am at literally anything. But that doesn't mean that he should be playing a, a mean argument, role. buddy. I got to tell you. <laughs> well, it's just, you know, you know, Demetrius Harris, he's probably, you know, he's probably one of the best hundred tight ends on earth, right? <laughs> I don't know if I'm one of the best. Well, he probably is. I don't know if I'm one of the best hundred at anything in the world. Um, but no, I'm I'm sick of the drops too. I mean, he had a great stiff arm, and you know when he's in the open field, he looks strong, and he but he just he cannot catch. And it's I want to go back and look at his film as a basketball player because I, I figure if he gets the ball and he's in the post, he must have been money. But getting that entry pass, I'm not sure that he caught it all the yeah, time. Yeah, they, they've had to walk it up to him and hand it to him. I don't know. <laughs> but he just, you know, every now and then he'll make a spectacular catch. I just, you know, that was frustrating because he had that drop. Kelsey had a drop that I think he would have walked into the end zone. Um, and then Alex had a play that Rich Gannon was really hard on him about where he missed uh, Wilson on a post. Um, and so I think, you know, they really realistically left three touchdowns on the board. And so... Despite that, though, they still whooped them pretty solidly. And it's a testament to how well the defense played. I I agree. Um, But before we go there, I I don't have to be technical about it. Just just generally what you think. I like Matt Nagy calling the plays. I really like it, too. Um, I I didn't officially review Alex's film from the Jets game. um, But... I thought Alex looked better, and I did a bunch of tweets in a row, kind of finding because I did I did do the analysis. I just didn't write the review. Oh, okay. um, he, but one thing that I would tell you is, though Alex did look better, and he was he stuck some long distance throws. He's actually been sticking most of the throws when he tries them this year. He's throwing the ball really well, but they really they were winning as a team more. You know what I mean? The, the, the designs weren't different, but it seemed like they were called better. Um, I think it was Josh Briscoe made a great analogy. He said, you know, you can tell it's still Andy Reed's offense, but it just looks a little better. It just lo- it looks a little more smooth. And he, he, he said, he called, you know, Andy Reed, the author, but edited by Matt Nagy. And I was like, huh? Well, it's about timing, isn't it? Matt Nagy calls the plays at better times. I would say so, yeah. And he stays away from some of the things that are a little, I don't know, I wouldn't want to call him cutesy. One thing that's been a big difference, the offensive line has played better the last couple of weeks, and I know LDT talked about simplifying assignments. Well, um, he's the guy that stood out the most to me against the Raiders. Not only, and I agree completely that they must have simplified things because you don't see the heads on the swivel so much. They have two reads, they have two guys they're looking for, and that's it. But yep. LDT came out like like it was the beginning of the season again, like we haven't seen since he got injured. I thought he was incredible. Yeah, he played really, really well on like Charkandrick West touchdown. He drove a guy like thirty yards back. It was hilarious, <laughs> right? But right now, let me take a second to tell you about our sponsor, my bookie. They're back with us. And ever since we started this podcast, people generally come to us and ask us for advice about the games that week. Usually it's what team to bet on, you know, who you prefer this week versus last. Where you're betting on is just as important as who you're betting on. So that's why we always tell people to check out my bookie. My bookie has been in business for years, and they have a really solid reputation. They do 100% cash bonuses. So off the bat, you're making money for doing nothing. And they have the fastest payouts in just two business days. 
If you know who's going to win, why not put some money down and win big today? That's why we are asking people to check out my bookie. You win, they pay. They have in-game live betting. It's the most rewarding player perks in this business. And they have an all-new mobile site that makes wagering on the go really, really easy. Join now, and my bookie will even match your deposit up to $1,000, up to 100% bonus. So that's two for one for your cash. Use the promo code Locked On to activate this offer and visit MyBookie today. You play, you win, you get paid. It was such a great block. And no, he played really well. I mean, the pass pro, it had a few ups and downs, and Alex had a few ups and downs in the pocket. Um, but overall, the offense as a whole just looks significantly better. And again, you know, I, I guarantee you there are some people that are predisposed to not liking Andy Reid. They're out there like, why don't we just make Matt Nagy the, the coach? And who knows, maybe Matt Nagy, because Reid speaks so highly of him. So maybe he'll go on to be a brilliant coach. But you can tell it's still Reid's system. It still Reid's designs. Mm-hmm. Um, and his designs have always been, I mean, Andy Reid, I've often thought to myself, I think he's a very good head coach. Don't get me wrong. But I've often wondered what he would be like if he was just an offensive coordinator. Right. And I feel like he would be utterly tremendous at it. Like, like kind of like a Wade Phillips, but the other way. You know what I mean? Like sure. just head and shoulders above everyone else. But I, so that was – so the <laughs> offense overall um, – it's just better, like you said. The timing of play calls is better. Some of the some of the really cutesy stuff has been eliminated, and it seems like they're basing the offense around the talents. I guess if I could describe it, and this is just a feeling, right? You, you know, basic feeling. I felt like the offense before felt like it was designed to an extent around Alex Smith's skills. Now it feels a little more designed around Tyreek Hill and Travis Kelsey. I agree completely. And it takes me back to let, let's have fun for a second because I got an idea. Okay. If you had to set your your code, if you were Clark Hunt uh-huh. and you know you want to run a West Coast offense, if you're going to set your coaching staff, who, who are your big three? Because I know who mine are. Like head coach, offensive do- coordinator, defensive coordinator? Yes. Um. Well... <sighs> It's tough. You know, honestly, head coach, and I mean, and you rule out Belichick, right? Because right. because you have to rule him out in these things because otherwise it's not fair to anyone. Well, it's not necessarily it's, West Coast offense either. So let's, Right. Let's, well, yeah, West Coast offense, I, I'm take, I'm still keeping Reed um, as the as head HC? coach. Yeah, okay. as, as HC, defensive coordinator, anytime I ever got to pick ever, it would be Wade Phillips. Okay. And offensive coordinator, I think I would maybe take um uh Junior Shanahan or the uh, the Rams or the Rams guy. Little dude. Okay, fair enough. Yeah, yeah I can't I gotta flip it on you a little bit though. See how you think about this. Because okay. for me, I have Andy Reid calling the plays and reporting to, to Chucky, because I want John Gruden as the head coach. <laughs> and they have to answer to Rex Ryan. And that, that's the way I roll. As many personalities <laughs> as I can fit in a room, I want them oh, all. God. Oh, that's going to end so badly. <laughs> I know, but it'll be <laughs> great many, all the way. How many how, – how badly do you want those meetings to go, man? That's – I know, I hear Super you. Bowls and explode. You would need – I think if you were going to have two guys that have that strong of personalities, I think you'd need someone different than Chucky in charge. I think you'd need like – I don't even know who you could have in charge of that room. <laughs> Ditka. Yeah, yeah, Ditka. 
<laughs> Dead car, he'd do it. But no, I think that would be good. I just, I really, I have, I have a very high opinion of Andy Reid as a coach. Um, I do think him, he's always been the guy that's handed off the defense to someone, right? Mm-hmm. Um, and Bob Sutton, you know, we could go round and round and round about. I'm, I'm okay with Sutton. I mean, he, man, some, that's another thing I'm sure we'll get to. Defensive adjustments have been made. And fair enough. But, you know, it was nice seeing him with someone like like Nagy, who's been with him for a while, who clearly seems to understand what some of Reed's worst tendencies are uh-huh. and has, has tampered them down. It's like Andy Reed's offense just run a little more efficiently. And, you know, Reed talked about the fact that lets him spend a little more time on the O-line and that kind of stuff. And you got to wonder if that's part of where this improved offensive line play is coming from. It, it may be. And, you know, everyone's really high on Doug Peterson and, and more power to him. But I think Matt Nagy is doing a better job than Peterson did when he was able to call plays. And I think Matt Nagy may be a, a step above him when he gets his chance to be a head coach. And that could well be. I mean, well, you know, when Peterson called the plays, I, I gotta tell you, I honestly felt like it was a myth that the offense looked that different during right. that time. Exactly. I, I did not see. Whereas here, you can see, and again, it looks a lot the same. But the the route combinations are all still Andy Reid. You can see it, but it's like there's just a little flavor added to it, just a little extra on top, like that uh, that that I don't know what you'd call it, the fake screen to each side then screen to the middle to Kelsey that was great because it built on concepts the Chiefs have previously used mm-hmm. and it, it was just bit. oh that that was so well designed and it was so well, well executed well and and that's the thing is it's not just the execution it's the timing of it and that's yep. that's what I had a, a conversation on Twitter uh, the other day what it what it equates to to me is Andy Reid's good at hitting home runs. He's got, he knows what he needs to do. Uh, if you're going to call it boxing, you know, he can knock a guy out, but his jab sucks. <laughs> he wants to throw behind the line of scrimmage all the time. He wants to dink and dunk and run the running game like it's a passing game and it's an extension of whatever you want to call that philosophy. Yep. Matt Nagy knows how to jab. That's what the difference is for me. I could, I could say that. I'd be cautious because it makes it because you know really your jab is probably a more important part. I would say Reed is still the guy with with the haymakers and the hooks because you really the offense is still Andy Reed's. It's so clear, but you know it really is as though someone who knows Andy Reed or who's been dri- driven nuts by Andy Reed <laughs> took over and said, "Okay, man, you, seriously, your offense is brilliant." But can we maybe tone back a few of these things that teams know are coming? And that's what I mean by he seems to put a little more trust in, okay, we're going to call the first read to Tyreek Hill. We're not going to have Alex. I, I just, it seems as though that's, I've seen a lot more one read throws and I've seen a lot more of, of to where it doesn't appear to me like Alex Smith is throwing just based on the coverage he thinks he sees, but rather, well, I mean, not that the, you you don't do that at all, but it seems rather like it's almost like it looks like there's more set uh, reads, like you know you're going to start off deep and then come shallow because you just see a lot more calls where the first look is to Tyreek Hill or to Travis Kelsey. Now, Alex still obviously has control at the line because like he had one audible where he did a little it was a quick curl to Tyreek Hill for 9 yards. And so he still has control, but like I said, it just the offense looks and I can't quite put my finger on it cuz I'm not smart enough, but it just looks like it's built around 
Tyreek Hill and Travis Kelsey, not Alex Smith. And I think that's a good move because I think Tyreek Hill is one of the five or six most talented wide receivers in the league. And I think Travis Kelsey is the best tight end in the league. So why, why wouldn't you build around those guys? I completely agree. And it allows not necessarily the way I would go about it, but it allows that those two to stretch the field and get Kareem Hunt going as well. As yep. long as the offensive line can show up with some enthusiasm like they did against the Raiders, I, I think they're going to be okay. Absolutely. Um, I think that's smart design. The other thing that I thought we saw against the Raiders that was smart is that Bob Sutton let the corners do what they do. Um, specifically, Revis got to get in people's faces. Maybe it wasn't press coverage where literally off the snap he, he's getting his hands on people, but it was tight. And it was within a, a step or two, and, and he had some contact. I yep. think that's key for Revis, and I think it's key for most of the DBs on this team. I would agree with that. Um, I know you and I were chatting a little bit before we started about you charted press man snaps, and I charted press man snaps. Or not press man, but but you could call it press and mm-hmm. I, because you had said a certain percentage, and I said, well, I think mine's quite a bit higher. I really, and I'll have to look, prior to that last drive by Oakland, the very last drive now, I would have, I would put just off the top of my head, you know, I don't have it in front of me, I would say I had them as something close to press, or at least where, because it's not always the whole field's doing the same thing, right? Sometimes it's half is pressing, and, you know, True. and but if, if you include half press in those, I would say they were pressing by my eye at least 60% of the time. It seemed like anytime they were in man coverage, they were pressing um, for the most part. Yeah, and, I would put it there if it was what I called tight coverage and press coverage. Right. I, I differentiate a little bit. I'm with you. See, and I tend to blend the two, and that's you know where you get one of those things to where your way is the technically more correct way, but I'm just lazy. So, like, I, I really – because, yeah, it, but it's just uh, – it's interesting to – to see how differently like a Terrence Mitchell plays in that circumstance because he did pretty well. Um, not perfect. And I nope. think, you know, we've all hoped Mitchell would take a step forward to be better than what he's been. But I think you put him in press man most of the time. He Receivers got to earn it against him. And that's enough from your number two or number three or number four guy. And Revis, I thought, did a good job from what I saw. I haven't reviewed his snaps yet. That'll be later this week. Um, and I thought Steven Nelson did a pretty good job. Like, they were asking them to do kind of like what you mentioned. They were, you were asking them to do their wheelhouse. Mm-hmm. And it, although, it, it absolutely does. Although I will say um, the safeties, I just got done watching a lot of the, the past defense plays. Man, Ron Parker and Danny Sorensen had a rough game. Well, Oof. I mean, Marshawn on Ron, I mean, he chuckled every time Ron came at him. I mean, I like Ron Parker as a free safety. Don't get me wrong. I, I yeah. think he's highly underrated. But, man, do not go up and try to tackle Marshawn Lynch in the thighs. Yeah, it just it just isn't going to happen. And I, it, was, uh, it was just interesting because, I mean, they made a few. I mean, like that late touchdown to Cook. Sorensen just got worked. And it was embarrassing. Uh, I mean, that was just like... Because that was a play where Tamba beat Penn around the left side almost immediately. Right, and it was halfway home by the time... And he still got yeah, it on... on all, yeah, all he needed to do was be in, in decent position. And I mean, it was it was a quick throw too. And so the safety play, I mean, I, I think they ought to come around a little bit. I was bummed about, uh, about uh, Terrell. Yeah. Um, you know, because he seemed to really—I mean, he was starting to get some playing time. 
Um, yeah, and got his first pick, and then bam. Yeah, and he had a couple nice plays. He had that play where he knocked the ball loose, the one mm-hmm. that I think he might have hurt himself on. And I mean, he just he did all right overall. And so it's going to be interesting moving forward. I, I know Eric Murray was back at practice, but I mean, last time we saw him, he was struggling. So maybe a little time off will help him. <laughs> maybe it helped Mitchell. I, I, you know, I was really critical of Mitchell early. Uh, yeah. I think he's played dramatically better since he came back uh, after being sat down for a while. And, and maybe you're right. Maybe some time off to look at film from a different perspective. Maybe that'll help. Absolutely. And, you know, I did hear a rumor that part of the reason he was on the bench wasn't a talent issue. It was he was freelancing a bit too much. Right. And, you know, and I really do think, you know, and I'm sure you're tired of talking about Peter, so we don't got to go on that too much. Um, I, I think I think that played a role in Peter's uh, suspension. The freelancing issue because if you sometimes I started to really watch Peters and every now and then he mm. was like the rest of the defense was doing one thing and I'm like how is what he's doing part of what they're doing like it just yeah and, and Peters takes that stuff personal like he wants to win bottom line end of the day especially for a DB to go off script and cost them yardage yeah yeah he and yeah Peters is you know it's interesting Alex Smith had some great quotes about him he was just like no he cares so much and I think he does I think if if I were to diagnose Peters with his particular problem I think he's a 24 year old that thinks he knows everything now the problem for Peters you know you've dealt with some 24 year old and no 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 disrespect to any listeners who are 24 or younger but you're you're very young I'm sorry (laughs) I don't. I don't know what else to tell you. I really don't. I'm, I know you feel like you're grown up compared to like the 19 year olds you see. Just give it a few years. I'm just. I'm, I'm sorry. A man. I'm 40. Yeah, I'm a man. I'm 40. But you know, the the toughest type of say 21 year old, 22 year old, 23 year old, 24 year old to deal with is one that actually is pretty smart and does know what they're doing most of the time. And I think Peters is often right in his issues that he has. Because one thing that you almost never saw from him, there there were games where, man, the, the corners were just blowing zone coverage assignments. It was just embarrassing. You almost never saw that from Peters. He wasn't blowing coverages, and that's where you'd see him just get freaking out. Yeah. Because I think to me, I think he's a sharp guy. He's like, how hard is this? You know? And I, I can understand because when he is locking down half the field by himself – yeah. He's got to hope that somebody can step up and do it on the opposite side. And, and don't get me wrong. I think Steven Nelson's played well since he p- began playing again. He had a rough game uh, t- two weeks ago. But other than that, I, I think he's been solid. Yeah, I think he's helped. Yeah, and they finally – we'll see with Revis again. I got to review the film. I think he got bailed out by – there was one play where I know he got roasted on a double move. Bacard didn't see him because of pressure from, from Jones and company. Um, and he was under three pretty dramatically too. right and so there's a there, there's a few places but you know that's for almost any corner you're gonna have situations like that the chiefs the chiefs they, they they're looking for revis to be good they're not looking for him to be revis island and if he can right. be good pff, fair enough and so it'll be interesting to see moving forward if, if what they did because you know look the raiders you know we view the raiders a certain way and they haven't had a great season but they'd won three or four coming to arrowhead and uh, they were starting to look like they were gaining some momentum, and they whooped them pretty good. So we'll see. Yeah. We'll see. Well, One more week I, to I, hang on to hope. Right, yeah, just keep it going. And I think it's something that's helping them out, and this is the last thing that we definitely need to cover. The pass rush, I think, has gotten a little bit of lift. Uh, Tom played some more. I, I think Passanio took another step forward. Uh, mm-hmm. I think he was able to play with his pad level lower. 
Uh, he still doesn't know what he's doing half the time, nah. but I think instinctually it's starting to come along. He and is what your concept is. Um, I haven't watched him individually yet. I've watched him because I did watch the whole pass rush. He didn't pop out too much to me. He did have a couple of nice snaps. Um, he had one really good pressure against Penn. Um, but he didn't leap off the page. Uh, Hali did quite a few times. Him and Houston actually had five or six snaps together where both of them, it was nice to see, you know, it was like we saw it a little last year, but not a ton. It was like watching, you know, like 2014 again. Because it's been that long since you know both of them were healthy, and I mean it was it was nice to see them both winning, and so that I think has helped. Um, Chris Jones has really come alive the last few weeks. I was reviewing the Jets film and I was surprised how good he looked, even though he didn't really fill the stat sheet up. Well, now against Oakland, people noticed more because he got a sack and he had a st- you know he had the flash plays, and so what's happening is, in my opinion at least, when you get you know five percent better. At one spot and then 5% better at another spot and then 5% better at another spot. It's not just 15% better. It, 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 it the, the sum of the whole, you know what I mean? It, it the yes. sum of the parts creates something more. And what you're seeing out there, there were multiple snaps where Houston was actually one on one. There were snaps when Houston wasn't rushing where they actually got pressure. And for a while now, and you know, I've talked to a lot of people about Justin Houston this year. He is gonna. I mean, he's I, what has he got? Nine sacks, ten sacks on the year. I believe and, it's nine. I mean, and you know, you got all these people. Oh man, he just he's just not that good. It's like, look, he he's been a one man band. He's been the only guy that they've been fearing. And except you know, the last few weeks, Jones seems to be coming around. And Nacho had some decent snaps, and Jarvis Jenkins had some really good snaps, pass rushing. And then with Holly coming in and Hassan from their side, and, and passing, you know, taking a step forward, you're starting to see some little some signs of life, like the pass rush that we saw against Oakland. While still not great, it was a lot closer to what we thought we would be seeing this year. Like this was the year it was finally going to happen. We were going to have, you know, everyone healthy and everyone, you know what I mean? Mm-hmm. But yeah, well, and I have to say that I'm encouraged even more so because uh, the Oakland offensive line is a, a really good unit. They and are to be able to make that kind of performance against them. I, I think honestly, I think it comes back to the pre-draft look that, that we all had on, on Chris Jones. Yep. He's got to be motivated. Chris Jones is fired up to do what he needs to do, and he has 100% effort. He can beat anybody. I, I think what you saw is that there was some expectation in that middle section of this season where all these, you know, should win games where nobody felt like they had to go out and perform at 100%. And that could well be. I mean, I know he owned Asamelli. I mean, he – and that is right. not a guy who gets beat a lot. And, and he, right. he worked him over all game. Um, and so I'm curious, I'll be curious to see what they do next week. Hopefully it's not just a one week thing because the whole line played way better. Bailey had some really good snaps too. Um, the whole, the whole defensive line, Benny Logan, interestingly enough, who has been maybe the most consistent defensive lineman this year, he only saw nine snaps. And so they really, now I think part of that was due to the, the type of formations Oakland constantly used because their head coach, Jack Del Rio for supposedly being like an old school guy. They they hate running the ball. Yeah, it just blows my mind. Jack Del Rio is a defensive coordinator who got elevated over and over again, farther than he should have been. Yeah, no, I agree. And then, I mean, really, every time they play, you can see the difference between him and Andy Reid. It is a gaping chasm. 
I mean, yeah. <laughs> Reed, Reed is just such a better coach than he is. It's just not even close. I mean, you know, they finally beat the Chiefs earlier this year, and it was a freak game, and everyone knew it. And so we'll see. I, I'm curious about how this next week goes because that is a really talented defensive front uh, that the Chargers have. And their offensive line, though, isn't as good. And so I, what I'd really like to see is the pass rush show up the same because if they do, I think they've got a perfectly good chance to to beat the Chargers and maybe even beat them handily. I, I agree with you completely. Well, let's let's skip right to it. What do you think will happen? You know, it's tough not to be optimistic watching that Raiders tape, but then like, you know, if you go back, like if you stop in the middle of the Raiders film and then you go back and watch the games prior to the Jets games for the offense or the Jets game for the defense, you're just like it's like two different teams. And so, I mean, the offense, that's two games in a row. And the offense, you know, again, they, they had a few issues. You know, they could have put up more, especially considering how well the defense played. But that's the second week in a row the offense has looked pretty good. And it looked great against the Jets. The running game got going. That's huge. And it all looks sustainable. Like what I saw on film, they didn't do anything super fancy that teams are going to, like, catch up on. They just started mm-hmm. executing. And so I, I think they're going to continue to play well, but that's a real brutal Chargers defense. And I do think, you know, they're going to need to, you know, I mean, the Chargers corners are really strong. That front seven's really strong. Um, their safeties aren't terrific. They're kind of, I mean, they're physical, but they're not terrific. I do think they're going to need to to beat them over the top a few times early, which, you know, lately Alex has shown he's gone back to doing. So I, I think they're going to keep it up. I think their backs are to a wall. They got spooked, and this is their chance because now they beat Oakland. If they beat San Diego now, now they still got to you know win out down the stretch. But you know their division record, if they end up because then they would have split the series with Oakland and swept San Diego, which means that with San Diego you can tie them. Or not San Diego, I'm sorry, L.A. I cannot remember that. <laughs> I kept saying that, too. I said that like nine times. Um, so I just – I feel like this is a game where it's like if you win this game, the last two weeks of the season, they're still important, but you're not like in desperation mode quite as much. And so hopefully they've got the same mentality that they had against Oakland, like our backs to a wall. Because if they lose this game, I think they're screwed, and I don't think they make the playoffs. I think you're right. This this is for all the marbles. I've said it before. Yeah, that's this is this is the game that I think determines the winner of the AFC West because Oakland's now a game back on the Chiefs. Um now maybe they could win out and the Chiefs could lose a couple of games. But I this is if they beat L, if they beat LA, I think they're in. I think they'll they'll be able to make it. Although you know the Broncos would love to play spoiler in the final week. But if they beat the Chargers, there's a chance that that final week might not even matter. So it's a definite possibility. And um, we're going to find out here in uh, in 2 days from when this show airs, folks. Remember it is a Saturday game. Um, be ready for it. Uh, Seth, thanks for all of your insight and being with us again. Oh, hey, thanks for having me. It's always a hoot. I have a good time anyway. <laughs> That's it for us today, folks. You have a good one, and we'll talk to you tomorrow. Thanks for listening to the Locked On Chiefs podcast. While you're out there, give us a rating or review, and reach out to us on Twitter at Ryan Tracy NFL and at Chris Clark NFL. We'll talk to you next time. <laughs> 